From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we sit down with Annalee Lindbergh Livingston of Good Term Farm in Wisconsin as she shares her farm story of being now the fifth generation beginning farmers on her husband's historic family land and incorporating sustainable and organic practices. Spoiler alert, this is the land Laura Ingle Wilder's family was on during Little House in the Big Woods. Annalee Livingston Anderson grows certified organic vegetables and cut flowers with her husband Kevin and their three-year-old daughter Hazel on Good Turn Farm in Stockholm, Wisconsin. She's also on the steering committee for Lake Pepin Local, a group of local farmers and buyers cooperatively marketing locally grown products. Last fall, she started working with the Land Stewardship Project as an organizer for Farm Beginnings, a training program for beginning farmers. So we are here with Annalie Livingston Anderson of Good Turn Farm. Thank you for joining us for our In Her Boots podcast. And we actually are recording this at the Moses New Farmer University. And you just spoke on the beginning farmer panel. I did, yeah. And uh, it's a lot of good new farmer energy. So thank you for joining us and sharing your story more in detail here because you uh, have been farming now a couple years yep, officially this, will be, this coming season is our third official season we say okay so yep. give us the quick synopsis of where you are now and then we'll take it backwards of where sure. this all started yeah yeah and thank you very much for asking me to do this i, I am honored uh so yeah we're good turn farm uh it's my husband kevin and i in stockholm wisconsin uh, we farm, so we're a small corner of the bigger family farm. Kevin has a fifth generation family farm that's um, around 400 acres. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I just have to give this a plug because I think this is so cool. It's like Little House on the Prairie land. It is, yes. So um, you've got serious roots Serious there. history, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder was born in a cabin on that property. That was prior to his family owning it, but they um, then purchased it a little while later. So, And then now there is a, a wayside right across the street from us that is has a replica cabin. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a total or yep. nerd. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a very exciting. And I, <laughs> when I was growing up, I loved the Laura Ingalls Wilder books. And so when I met Kevin and he said that his, the original cabin was on his family land, I was like, that's oh, like the best pickup line ever for a woman farmer. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. You just fell in love. Yes. It was great. All, All right. right. <laughs> I apologize. We digress. That's okay. You. So fifth generation family farm, we own just a small 10 acre corner of that family farm. Um, probably seven of that maybe is tillable and we're just growing on about two acres right now. 
So we do uh, mixed vegetables mostly. We're certified organic. We got certified organic in our second year. We do um, a fair amount of cut flowers, and we're also dabbling in uh, cultivated mushrooms on logs. And we have two high tunnels right now that we're growing in for season extension. And yeah. Fabulous. So where did this all start for you? Where did you grow up or did you grow up on a farm situation? I grew up on a hobby farm in Duluth, uh, Duluth, Minnesota, and I lived there most of my life. Um, We always gardened a small vegetable garden as I was growing up um, with my parents and my grandparents actually lived next door and they also had a garden. And so that was something that was always definitely a part of my life growing up. I definitely, we moved off of the hobby farm during um, my teen years and I definitely abandoned gardening at that time because I was disinterested in everything because I was a teenager. (laughs) Um, But actually I moved back to that hobby farm property. My parents um, still owned it when I graduated high school and I moved back to that property with a couple of friends and actually lived there um, throughout my undergrad as I was going to school at UMD in Duluth. And um, as soon as I moved back there, I started growing my own vegetables again um, on that same garden plot and basically haven't stopped since then. Wow. What did you study in school? Biology was my undergrad. Um, and then I actually ended up, well, I worked at the EPA for a couple of years in Duluth and then um, went back for grad school in Duluth also. Um, that program was integrated biosciences is what it was called, but I was studying mostly evolution with a, with an insect model that I was studying. So that, yeah, that was a interesting, I kind of, I wasn't necessarily passionate about that subject, but, um, that was the best program that I got into considering there was a teaching assistantship offered and it was in my hometown and it made sense. So that's what I did. But, um, actually around that time is when I really started getting, when I started grad school was when I got really interested in sustainable agriculture and it started to click for me that that was a really good intersection between, uh, like me going into science was always kind of based on my love of nature and, um, wanting to learn more about the natural world and, and also conservation, like feeling a need to pr- protect and preserve the natural world. And so, um, and, but at the same time, I was still always gardening and loved growing things. And I think um, somewhere around that time when I started grad school, it became clear to me that sustainable agriculture was was a path towards conservation and, and one that like fit my personality well, because I already loved growing things. And so... Yeah, that was that was kind of what brought me to to the idea of farming. Um, and I actually met Kevin in my husband in grad school. Um, and we, you know, it was sort of percolating the idea of sustainable agriculture, and I didn't know exactly what that would mean. You know, did I really want to farm? Uh, did I want to do education around sustainable ag? Did I want to continue down this like science path and you know, do more research around sustainable egg. And um, we, Kevin got into a grad program down in St. Paul at the main U and we ended up moving down to St. Paul after I finished grad school in Duluth. And um, yeah, and, and I sort of started getting involved in the sustainable egg community down there through a nonprofit, uh, the Women's Environmental Institute. 
and also worked on a nonprofit urban farm in Minneapolis. So different experiences all adding up. Uh, to, when did you two decide then to that, start the farm? Yeah. Wanted to go back because his family had been farming then, yeah, right? But you're yep. doing things a little differently there. Yep. So his dad is still actively um, farming the rest of the farm. So there's about 250 acres of tillable land on the bigger family farm. And that's um, in conventional row crop right now. Um, and so, um, but Kevin had also been thinking about sustainable egg for a while and, and thinking about um, different options for the, the farm in general. And... And so I think between um, his desire to move back to that family farm, which is a beautiful farm in the Driftless region of Wisconsin, um, he had that desire to go back there and and continue working on that that land. And I had this you know experience growing vegetables, and also um, I worked a little bit on a CSA, so that was at the Women's Environmental Institute, and so I had some experience with that, with growing vegetables on scale and, and direct marketing. And so, um, those two things combined kind of led us to the idea of going back to the family farm and starting a small vegetable farm, because that was what I had the most experience in. And what year was that then? When did you? Yeah. So we, we kind of made the decision almost, I think as soon as we had moved down to St. Paul. Um, but you know, we did a lot of the we we formed an LLC right away and because we knew we wanted to do it and heard that that was a good thing to do just to like protect ourselves and uh so we formed an LLC picked a name um Kevin kind of had already been thinking about that name prior to us idea yeah, the good turn <clears throat> yeah good turn farm that? i mean it's uh i think the idea of it is on a physical turn in the road oh. but it is also the idea of um Turning, turning the bigger family farm towards more sustainability okay. um, and, and sustainable practices, I think, is where that came from. And um, I really liked it. And it was it was nice and simple and um, easy to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. How was the uh, say transition, but just the evolution with Kevin's family as far as he, farming they, practices? Yeah. And that's always yep. those are hard conversations to sometimes have. Yep. And they have been amazingly supportive. Um I think there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, waiting and watching as we try out these new crazy things, which I totally understand because we're, you know, we're in our third season and we are by no means ultra successful yet or anything, you know. And so um, there's some of that, you know, waiting to see what happens, but they're also, you know, they're, they're, they've been really supportive. They gifted us that 10 acres of property and that was a huge um, leg up for us. And then they, yeah, they, they've also been super generous with lending of tractors and other implements. And, and so that has been, yeah, just a huge That's benefit great. to us. And they also did, they actually also did a ton of the, the work on our house when we renovated I was say, the farmhouse. Did farm you house. have, was there buildings on the there property? Was, there was an old uh, farmhouse that Kevin's grandparents actually lived in. Um, and that was built, I think in like the early 1900s that, uh, had been empty when we finally started going out there. I think it had already been empty for, for several years and, um, it was basically down to the studs, um, needed all new electrical, new plumbing, new septic, um, 
like everything <laughs> new basically it <laughs> except had character it had a lot of character good Be- bones beautiful trim um so you know like kevin saved all the trim when he like gutted it and um we the some of the original flooring is still in there and stuff and it does it does have wonderful character but so anyways they they helped us they helped us fix up that house and that was that was also a huge gift so there's they've been very supportive i think um there you know the the bigger family farm kevin it you know, continues to have conversations with them about what that looks like down the road and and they're very open to talking about it and um and I think, you know, they're starting to try try out new things, like, as they have time and we have time to, like, try those out on bigger oh, that's acreage. That's really great to yeah. hear that those things can happen. Yep, yeah. <laughs> Every situation's different, but... Yep. Uh, and to continue the family legacy on the land, I'm sure is a priority of his parents, too. Yeah, However, you I know, think so. That's, that's important. I think so. That's great. Uh, so you moved there. How? What was the condition of the soil or did you need to do a lot of the the main field that we grow on it was an old hay field and so it was um it was pretty low in phosphorus we had to amend for that and also a couple other micronutrients but otherwise we just um amend with it's a clay loam soil so it's a little heavy so we amend with a lot of compost every year um that we get from cosmo which is pretty close to us and um, just to work on that soil structure. But it's pretty good soil for growing vegetables on, I think. I haven't seen, you know, I haven't dealt with a lot of other soil, but um, the the clay loam, you know, holds water well. And there's some things that we don't grow because I don't think they love it that much. You know, like melons mm. don't love that, really. They only want a, a sandier soil, and we just we just don't grow melons. Um, but a lot of, a lot of things are doing really well, I think. What are the markets you're selling to now? Yeah. So we, about half of our stuff right now, we're selling through the Hungry Turtle Farmer Cooperative in Amory, Wisconsin. And so they're about 45 minutes, I think, east of the Twin Cities. And so they sell mostly into the Twin Cities to co-ops and restaurants. So they're a hub. So, I mean, they take, it's a place where a lot of farmers can bring their wares for more efficient distribution. So the Hungry Turtle Farmer Cooperative is in Amory, Wisconsin. We sell about half of our stuff to them. Uh, so it's really it's a really nice setup for us to be able to tell them once a week that we have, you know, this list of pr- produce available and they tell us what they want and we harvest it and bring it up there and drop it off and that is all we do. Obviously, we're getting um, a lower price point, you know, per pound or whatever than we would be if we were selling direct. Um, but so far it's really been worth it for us just as we're, um, trying to get better at growing produce and getting better at growing produce, like at a larger volume too. Um, so that's about half of our marketing is through them. And, and then they are selling their stuff mostly into the twin cities to farmer, I'm sorry, to co-ops like Mm. food co-ops and restaurants, and then we also, the other half of our stuff last year went mostly to uh, local buyers. So that was a big mix of things, local restaurants, a handful of local restaurants, uh, a small local grocery store. And then we do, we do once, we do a once a month, a uh, small farmer's market in Stockholm, Wisconsin. And we also do um, 
like special orders where we send out an availability list to our local uh, community member community members and they then just send us an order of order via email and we harvest that during our regular harvest and uh, have it for pickup for them so you've pretty diversified then in your market outlets yeah yeah and that has definitely developed over time i think we originally our first year basically only sold through the hungry turtle farmer cooperative uh and we also at that time had an on-farm food stand where people could just buy off the farm Mm. there um and then as we're as we're developing and making more connections, we're kind of growing that the the more local sales uh, part of our marketing. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Annalie. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.